It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, November 3rd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that honestly just wants to give Felix Sandstrom a big hug. We talked about this. All right, we're going to get into last night's Leafs game coming up now. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, Flyers fans. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here, as always, with the brilliant Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. That's where you'll keep up to date with our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail. On today's show, in addition to recapping last night's game against Toronto, we are going to give you a prospect profile of Mason Millman, which is a really interesting development case. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you're listening right now. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So subscribe there as well. Russ, uh, Felix Sandstrom, man, I just, I feel for this guy Mm -hmm. so much because... Uh, in addition to him getting this start in the second half of the back-to-back, again, you know, they took out Morgan Frost and Justin Braun, who is one of the more reliable defensive guys out there, which could have helped protect him a little bit more, I would say. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm glad Tanner Lazinski got to go back in uh, if Frost was the guy that had to come out. But, man, I, I think this all kind of converged to to lead to a huge number of shots against it did i mean again i would have preferred sealer to be out who ended up in the penalty box and braun to play the offside like he played the offside for the rangers it's no problem he's done it in his career then zamula comes in there's no problem with zamula i think that would have shored things up they definitely could not have gotten weaker on defense if they tried and for a goalie that doesn't have an nhl win you know, again, they hung him out to dry. They gave a, you know, a good effort for a lot of the game, but I kind of knew this was going to happen. I, I had told um, Michael Jello off air that they were either going to win this game by surprise or lose this game by a lot. And they lost it by a lot because they did that. They took out Morgan Frost, who, again, I don't think John Tortorella realizes for the few minuses he might have for him. Uh, he is handled in the middle of the ice pretty well, and he does have some playmaking ability that may not be fully showing up now, but does help in a game where, so now you you took him out, you switched up everything. At some point, Zach McEwen ended up on the second line. Like, that is complete, yes. that is complete desperation, considering he should never be on the third line. But again, this is what this coach is doing and rewarding guys because they play hard again, playing hard is nice. Having actual skill is nice too. And that was the one thing, you know, a lot of fans were mad at, at Travis Sanheim 
there was nothing he could do on that John Tavares goal. That is just greatness from John Tavares. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you on that Tavares goal. And um, just as a side note, Tavares getting that hat trick plus an assist was especially impressive because he only had 1243 of ice time. Which is time crazy. Because of, because of all the penalties, because yes. he doesn't play on the PK. No. So it was absolute madness. So super impressed with John Tavares in yeah. that game. But uh, going back to the Flyers, I think, you know, the situation and towards mentioned this to some degree but is missing the second half of this in that the battle was initially there in the defensive zone and then mm-hmm. they were hemmed in quite a bit and the battle oh, yeah. was there and then they would get the puck sort of away from the Leafs player but then couldn't maintain possession of it and make the plays to clear the zone and I, I think that's where the playmaking ability that you were just talking about was missing from yes. this one. Yeah and I'll tell you I really think the Flyers fired up Toronto because like you said, Toronto was dominating. Farabee gets a great goal and Toronto's probably looking at themselves like, wow, we deserve better than that. And then Konechny started up with Tavares, right? Gave him like a shot in the face. I think it was Konechny. And I think that was like in the second period. And I think at some point the Leafs were just like, you know what? We're going to have the puck and we're just going to turn the offense on and we're going to see what you can do with us when we do that and they couldn't hang with them. And at the end of the game, I didn't understand why Konechny was going after Matthews. I had to ask around and apparently that Matthews play between the legs where he was going for like the sixth goal annoyed him. And it's like, listen, if we're going to get to the point where John Tortorella is going to put it in your head that nobody could showboat against this team and you have to make them pay that's bad because then you're going to have overreactions like you did at the end of the game. And again, D'Angelo overreacted at the end of the game. He's again, he's just a guy looking for a fight. You can see that now, right? Oh, absolutely. And he made a ton of mistakes in that game. This was a prime example of the downside of Tony D'Angelo because you weren't getting the upside offensively and he was making mistakes and, and causing turnovers that really hurt a team defensively. And it was, we knew this was a risk signing this guy because of these issues that he has. So the combination of getting hotheaded plus having the mistakes, I think, you know, you got to be really careful with how you use him in these games. He's your top pairing guy. He has to change because he's a top pairing guy. He can't play the same way. Right, exactly. And I think that, you know, when you are trying to figure out how to get the puck out of the zone and it's not working for you, Tony D'Angelo is not your guy. No. Like, he's just not in these circumstances. I do want to go back to the Konechny-Matthews situation, though, because there's a tremendous breakdown on Twitter uh, that Mike Rupp posted of um, that I will link in the show notes of how Austin Matthews avoids conflict and gets Mm -hmm. other people called and like just basically stands around and smiles while Mm -hmm. everybody else is fighting around him and he doesn't quote unquote support his teammates in these situations. And it's, I mean, it's part of the, uh, I think mystique or, um, you know, intensity of the Toronto fan base and media around the Leafs, but it's a very funny thing. And, uh, I get it, but he also I, I, he also had a bad wrist that kept him out, 
and they can't yeah. afford him having a fight and hurting his wrist again. That's I think it's as much about that too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But this is apparently a pattern <laughs> with him. And yeah, I just thought yeah. it was funny <laughs> that um, somebody really broke it down like frame by frame what That's was going funny. on in that situation. But uh, I do want to kind of swing back to special teams in mm -hmm. this game because uh, I think that, you know, the PK, which has been pretty solid, really let them down after that first period. Those first two PKs at the beginning, you know, they shouldn't have gotten in the box like that, especially Travis Konechny uh, on that second one. But uh, after that, for the third and fourth power play for the Leafs, they allowed three shots on goal in each of them, including goals being scored. Yeah. And I really think that just the personnel wasn't there. I think Frost has spent some time on the PK as well and does pretty well on it. So maybe that's another element that was missing there. Yeah, it's possible. And Braun too. Mm -hmm. Braun's definitely mm -hmm. a PK guy. Uh, so yeah, they definitely were missing that element. They were, I, and, you know, it's funny because of the effort they gave. I'm not going to tell you they tired out five on five. I'm just going to tell you that, again, they um, put too much energy into the wrong things. They it's it's fine to, you know, finish your checks and do everything else. But, you know, if you want to use Zach McEwen as a prime example, that last penalty, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, like there's no way you have a chance of catching up in the game with with dumb plays like that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Then you look at the power play side of things, six chances, only one goal, two yeah, of them with zero shots on goal. The Leafs were in a rut on the PK over the last stretch, and there is absolutely no reason that the Flyers shouldn't have been able to take advantage of it. I did not like what they put out there for PP2 with mm -hmm. Farabee, Cates, um, Provi, Bellows, and Allison. I don't think that's a good combination per se. I don't like Bellows on the power play right now. I just don't think he's there yet with the Flyers in terms of cohesiveness. I agree. I, I think that probably jumbled it up too much. Uh, you can make the argument Farabee probably should be on power play one. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I do think there's a problem with that. Uh, and, and look, I thought Bellows had a pretty good game, had a nice toe drag, had a chance at a goal. Uh, you know, Tippett's goal was nice, although I thought Sam Sonoff should have been able to stop that. But still, he shot it on his off foot. Good shot on the short side. Uh, that was nice to see. Very few bright spots, though. And, you know, and and the problem with the um, with the coach after a game like this is just like, yeah, we're not good enough. We're still not there, whatever. But he will never get into details. Uh, a few guys annoyed him. So clearly Sanheim annoyed him because on the bench, you could see Torts was, show, was, was just cursing 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 after that Tavares goal where he went around him and I'm sure he was mad at a few other guys because maybe it shouldn't have been all up to Sanheim but if you're not going to call your guys out and you're going to not give out many details you're just really leaving it up to us to decide what's wrong with this team and right now it's the, they had the same problems against the Rangers the only difference was they didn't have Carter Hart and that's not a slight on Sandstrom it just shows you how Carter Hart can keep the, the score down for a mediocre team. Yeah, well, there's a lot more to talk about. I want to oh, yeah. talk more about Sandstrom and what we learned from the back-to-back -back overall. And we will do that after we hear about Bet Online. BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. 
Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news and podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including the World Series, NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on the app you're listening to right now, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Russ, I want to talk a little bit more about Felix Sandstrom because the fact that he faced 44 shots even considering they had 19 additional blocked shots in that game. I mean, that's brutal. Plus, you know, there was the skate blade thing on the fifth goal, which man, that that's just, that's rough. It is so rough. I will say he's not as good at controlling rebounds as hard is uh, for the most part, but the D didn't help him very much with clearing those pucks. No. uh, And I'm also going to tell you, um, I'm finding this around the league, but what I'm finding is the Flyers are not rising to the occasion with the backup goalie in there. Like, hey, we get we got our backup in, so now we're going to have to play extra better defense tonight, right, guys? Because we don't have Carter Hart in. They didn't do that. They just just yeah. didn't do that. And and you know, and you feel for the kid. I mean, look, and and Tortorella said something like, hey, we got to do better. But like, you set up that lineup. Like you you started him to not do better, right? right from the get-go. So these two games we knew were going to be important. Uh, They dropped both. Yes, they got a point. Fine. But they dropped both. And now they're going to go to Ottawa with Claude Giroux, and there's going to be a whole dynamic there. And maybe it'll be the Giroux revenge game. Wouldn't shock anybody if that happens. So you kind of wonder where the Flyers are right now. You know, the record's kind of closing in a little uh, after the good start. The play is sort of falling off a little. And, you know, you basically have the same players there. It's not like you're getting anybody off injured reserve anytime soon. Yeah. But going back to Sandstrom, mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering, you know, I've been looking at the schedule over the next couple of weeks and saying, what game do you give him in order to give him the best shot at success? Now, I like you just said, it absolutely depends on the personnel and the strategy of the defense in terms of you know giving him the support that he needs. That's absolutely step one. But step yes. two, let's give him a game that's not the second half of a back to back. And, you know, we unfortunately we do have another back to back coming up the 12th and 13th uh, versus Ottawa and Dallas. And in theory, you give him that Ottawa game, you know, being the first half of it. But that's Jeru's homecoming, which is like a second game against I would Ottawa, not which that is game for him. no, you can't do that, which is unfortunate. You're going to have to probably play him against Dallas, which yep. is not ideal, given how Dallas is playing right now. And then, you know, I think the next best options are Tuesday versus St. Louis or the 15th at Columbus. But I think the 15th is too far away. Like It I, is too far away. I just like the St. Louis game is the one that makes the most sense to me at this point. 
boy, I don't think I'd want to do that either, though. I know. I know. It's that's uh, that's what I'm saying is that this schedule is really brutal in terms of trying to give him a chance at success. I, I guess give him the game on the 10th against the Blue Jackets, but still, you know, that's maybe the best chance. I don't know, Russ. I, I think that it's uh, it's a real difficult situation. And I think that they really have to think about who they're putting out there. And like we've talked about, if you're going to have Sandstrom in net, you have to have Justin Braun in the line. You have to. I, I firmly believe that. He's probably I your th- third best defenseman. Maybe mm-hmm. fourth. You also alluded to, you know, the dropping the second half of the back-to-back the the flyers are zero and three in the second half of back-to-backs and that is something that they really need to solve they need to figure out how to adjust the lineup they mm-hmm. need to figure out how to prepare for those games differently so that they can be as efficient as possible in the first game so they're not completely exhausted for the second game. And then in that second game, they just have to dig deeper. And I know you can only do so much with this personnel, but at the same time, like you have to have a clear strategy and do the prep to come into the game in such a way that you can give yourself the best chance. Right. And I heard Tortorella say that, you know, for as much as they're playing in their own end, that they have to do more with the puck to get it out of the zone and all that. Well, that's great. That's what you should be doing in practice. You should be figuring out who are the guys that you can count on to do that. And, you know, Morgan Frost should be one of them. But taking Frost out of this for a minute, you should be figuring out who could do that. Who is going to do that? Who is going to be there when the chips are down like that so you can get the puck out and not just simply dump it out for another icing. And, you know, that's that's the odd part of this because the early John Tortorella coaching was, hey, you can play in, all, in your end all you want. We're just going to keep blocking your shots, whatever, and tiring you out. I think he is starting to see that teams do not tire out from that anymore. Teams are so offensive and they have so many offensive guys that you're not going to frustrate them by shooting the puck. Like you're not. Mm-hmm. No. And the other thing is that, you know, we're approaching sort of the 10 game into the season mark for a bunch of teams. And that, you know, we talked about in the beginning when the Flyers were getting lucky and were getting outplayed, but still finding ways to win that other teams, you know, were also trying to find their rhythm. Everybody's in the same boat. And now is when teams start to really begin to gel. Oh, yeah. And the Flyers aren't going to get lucky anymore. No, no, they, the they have to gone. work for it. Yeah, that they have to work for it. Uh, and it's not that their work ethic is bad. The work ethic is really good. The coaches instilled that. It's all the rest. All the rest has to sort of click in now. There has to be better defense. There has to be better breakouts. There has to be uh, not just keeping guys to the outside. Keeping guys to the outside is fine. But as you see, when you play against elite players and elite teams, like a guy like John Tavares could be on the outside and then all of a sudden he's on the inside. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you can't just use that as a blanket strategy. Absolutely. Well, I do want to try and end the discussion about this back-to-back in the Leafs game on a slightly higher note. So I do want to give them a little bit of credit that the face-offs were above 50%. They were 53% they were. again. So Although Lawton was at 40. That's a little concerning. Yes, but Kevin Hayes, 14 and 5. Yeah. 
that is really good. And he a turned it on that game. Improvement. He, he did. really did. I thought he had a good game overall. He did. Uh, he was their best player. I felt. I know Connecty yeah, had two assists, but he was their best player. Yeah, I, I think Connecty's game. I think he made some tactical errors, but his yeah. underlying numbers were pretty good and were the best on the team overall for that game uh, in terms of expected goals and all of that. And he had six scoring chances. Uh, but I think that Kevin Hayes from start to finish had the best game overall. So I do want to give him credit for that. No, and he deserves that. And I think, you know, at some point, I should say if Cam Atkinson comes back, because I'm at that point now, um, you might have to have an adult conversation about connecting and trading him when his value is high. Today is not the day, but there'll be a day for that. Yeah, well, we will, I'm sure, be starting to discuss that stuff after the new year. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. All right. When we come back, we are going to switch gears and talk about the curious case of Mason. Russ, we have talked about Mason Milliman before a fourth round pick from 2019, and he had two pretty great seasons in the OHL when he was mm -hmm. a prospect, uh, 44 points in 54 games in 2019-20. And he struggled pretty mightily in his first year as a pro, you know, mm -hmm. adjusting even to the AHL game and his decision making was really not up to par. And uh, I think that because of all of that, they decided to send him to Reading. And mm -hmm. You know, he did well in Reading last season. I think he took the opportunity and played a pretty solid game. And they just never called him back up to the Phantoms to give him a real shot. And then this year, I thought his camp was pretty good. It was, but there were some warning signs, not from necessarily what he was doing, but how he was being used. And I just felt like a lot of it, he just wasn't getting any opportunities. So I knew he had no chance to make the team, but I thought for sure uh, that he could make the Phantoms. I still think, yeah. should, you know, I, I still think he should be there. Uh, you know, thanks to Instead, I've got some really good stats on him from even from Reading that you don't get to see. I mean, his time on the ice is good, 2307. Um, that's fine. Power play, shorthanded, he's doing all that. Um, penalties, not great. Like he's penalties time for and against is a wash and it shouldn't be if you're a really good offensive defenseman. His hits are up, so he is doing that part and he's winning puck battles. But I think that you know the points factor is I think he's probably a little bit in the doldrums thinking I, I proved myself last year. I I got out of this and and he's not. And so you do wonder now what this is going to do to his overall um development because Unless there are injuries, he's not getting called up to, to Lehigh Valley. Doesn't no. seem like it. No, they seem pretty set there with the personnel they have. And it's pretty well balanced in terms of, quote unquote, prospect defensemen and veteran defensemen for the pairings. And I, I, there just doesn't seem to be room. And obviously, you know, based on those stats you just talked about, Mason isn't doing anything to demand it. But I certainly can understand, you know, being frustrated because yeah. it, it does feel like 
he did everything he could to try and put himself in a position to be on the Phantoms this year to maybe give himself that one last shot. And it just isn't happening. And I just wonder for a player when they get into a situation like that, like, can he dig his way out of this? Yeah, he can. Uh, I've seen guys do it. The problem is, you know, at 21, you want him to start like getting roots and he hasn't gotten roots anywhere. He hasn't gotten roots in Lehigh. He had roots last year in, in Reading, and now he's going to do that again. Uh, at 21, it's not exactly the place I want him to be. You want him to be there if, you know, the the Phantoms are so, so good on defense that, okay, look, there's nothing the Flyers can do here. They have too many guys. Okay. Too many guys. You're going to have to put them in, in Reading for a little while until something shakes out, there's an injury, whatever, that's fine. But, I mean, there, there are guys in, in Lehigh that, like, you know, I'll just say it, Louis Belpedio. I understand that he has NHL experience, and I understand that he's a pretty good puck transporter in the AHL. But at the end of the day, you want Mason Millman to possibly help you in the future where Louis Belpedio is only going to help you for this year. And whatever he's going to do, he's going to do. You know, Kevin Connaughton, I, I get, because that's a legit right. NHL call-up guy. But Belpedio, that's pretty much who's blocking him. Yeah, I just, uh, it just bugs me that <laughs> this is what they have chosen to do. And again, I understand some of the off-season signings for the Phantoms, because you, you need some AHL-level yeah. talent. But if it gets in the way of a prospect development who has shown that they want to take that next step. That's where I get confused. I am curious, though, if there's any comparison to be made with his situation and Samu Tuomala's situation in terms of guys that are have been given chances and then just aren't getting there. Or is it really that Millman put in the effort and was being successful where Tuomala just wasn't? Okay, so... The first thing I do want to say is Belpedio is 26, so we'll get. I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, and I also wanted to get out of the way. The reason I say that Millman's not getting called up is because with Cam York out, if he can't get called up, he's never getting called up. That's That was the reason I made that statement. In relation to Tuamala, um, Tuamala wants to play, is playing now in the lower league, so it's kind of like a little bit of a step back for him. He is scoring a little bit. But still, right now, this year, hasn't played a lot of games, didn't play much last year. So he's kind of caught up in the, well, he's just not good enough to be at one level. And so now he's at, you know, where's it, Mestis, the other level. And right now, we're having him there for a whole season, it's not ideal. If you were a first-year guy, maybe. You know, he's your second-round draft pick. You thought you had a deal worked out. You had Sammy Kappen and watching him. All that failed. So now, and he's not going to go to the OHL after next year. So now it's either going to be back overseas or AHL because he's going to be 20 by then. And yeah, he turns 20 in January. So right now, it's completely failing for Tuomala. He could turn it around, but this is partially on the team, partially on circumstance partially on the player with Millman, you know, he had injury and such. Uh, he had a really good year with Reading. They made the playoffs. You don't want Millman to be there just to make the playoffs. Again, you want him to be right. 
like a little bit, at least a step closer. And even if Millman has to play three years in the AHL, so be it. But right. by the time he plays three years in the AHL, he'll be like 24 yeah. if, they, if he goes at this rate. So I do feel like he's behind in his production, and I don't feel like it's all his fault. And so, like, right now, I think that's another guy where you look at him and you say, he just might not develop for this organization or he might end up in a trade. Something may happen like that. And so when these things happen and you ask yourself and you go back, and this is when it's hard and this is why I never go back and draft or redraft a draft, is because, you know, you start looking at these guys and you say, well, why hasn't this worked out? Now, of course, for the 19 draft, Cam York, he's going to work out. Adder, he's going to work out. Brink, I don't know. Injury-wise, it was always going to be an injury risk. We may not see Brink this year. He's in the press box, but we may not see him. Then after that, you got Millman, Igor Serduyuk, who, you know, is not anywhere right now. Roddy Ross, who's not anywhere um, close to coming into the NHL. And Bryce Brzezinski, who, you know, yeah, right now, Roddy Ross is playing in Canadian high school, it looks like. Now, actually, it's not high school, but it's a, it's a level above that. So, um, that's the rest of that draft's going to fall out. So that was supposed to be a big draft because they traded for extra picks, right? And I don't know. That draft could be just okay. In the end, it could be okay, but it could be a lot better if Millman works out for you, knowing that these other ones are going to fail, right? All these other ones, even Brzezinski, who looks pretty good, he's probably going to fail in the long run. So... York and Adderd, maybe Brink, and, you know, if you don't get Millman, it's going to be mixed results on that draft. Yeah, I think that's a, a valid point to be made, and uh, that is where we'll have to end it for today. Uh, thanks for listening. We will be back again tomorrow with a preview of that matchup against Ottawa playing Claude Giroux for the first time. It's going to be a little weird, but we'll get through it. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. You can email us at LockedOnFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at Miriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.